Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Katie Lisnick. Katie is the Director of Cat Protection and Policy at the Humane Society of the United States, focusing on increasing interventions for and reducing community cats' populations through sterilization and vaccination programs, as well as keeping more cats in their homes and preserving a strong human-animal bond. Katie has an MS in Animals and Public Policy from Tufts University. She's the past president of the New England Federation of Humane Societies, and she serves as an advisor to the Maine Federation of Humane Societies. Katie, I'd like to welcome you back to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. For those of you who aren't maybe full-time listeners to our show, I was thrilled to have Katie on our show in the early days, way back when. She was episode number 16. So if you'd like to hear that interview, please go in to uh, communitycatspodcast.com. And in the search bar, you can put in Lisnick or Katie, and her show will come up, and you can certainly go back and listen to that show. So Katie's one of the few people who's been asked to come back a second time. So thank you for joining me. I just was wondering if you might share with our listeners uh, specifically, what do you do in your job with the Humane Society of the United States? Sure. Well, I'm lucky I get to do a little bit of everything, and it keeps the job really exciting. So I work mostly on cat-related policy work, and that could be anywhere from policies at shelters or rescues, like internal policies of how they are adopting out cats or how they are managing cats and flow. A lot of times it's ordinances at municipality and county level. Uh, We spend a lot of time working on that. And then state legislation and federal policy as well. So state legislation, I don't just focus on cat stuff. I also do spay-neuter legislation, shelter standards type stuff, uh, veterinary reporting and cruelty. So a little bit of everything at the state level. Uh, And then for federal policy, we work with a number of different agencies to ensure that cats are being managed appropriately uh, and cared for appropriately and that non-lethal strategies are available and able to be used. It's mostly policy work, but then we also touch on, as I mentioned, shelter, shelter work, rescue work, um, helping those organizations get more cats out alive uh, and manage the cats that they have in their facilities well. Uh, And then also cat retention, which is hugely exciting and so much fun to talk about cat behavior and to help people and shelters and programs keep more cats in their homes that may be experiencing, you know, some behavioral challenges. So for today's show, we're going to do something a little bit different than our sort of standard questions with uh, Katie being, now I'll call you a regular on the show. We're going to play a game called Around the Country Policy for Community Cats. I'm going to spin the uh, state dial. I'm going to throw out a couple of states and see what Katie has to say about what the policies are like for community cats in those states. And so the first state that I'm going to throw out is Delaware. Delaware. Okay. So you would think that with such a tiny little state that they would have everything on the ball. And that actually is kind of true. 
So I like to think of Delaware as almost like a pilot or a small area where you can test some stuff out and see what works. And fortunately, you know, we have a really great ally, although she's leaving in December, but Hetty Brown, she is actually the director of the Delaware State Office of Animal Welfare which is a new program for them. They probably started it, I want to say, maybe two years ago. And it's under the Department of Health, and it's a program that manages all of the animal cruelty investigations for the state. They employ the humane agents and animal cruelty investigators for the state. They do all the training for animal control, and they also like do the oversight of shelters and rescues in the state. And they're also very active with Trap New to Return. So Delaware is a state that the Department of Public Health has endorsed TNR as the method that they prefer for managing cats, which is really a little bit unique. And Hetty's program actually goes out and is getting grants to do more targeted TNR. They're working with local shelters. They're working with municipalities to implement humane, non-lethal programs for cats. So they, last year, uh, early 2015, had a bill that was introduced, and I think it came from uh, actually Best Friends Animal Society originally, and it was a bill to modify some of the cat-related statute at the state level to make it easier to do TNR and return to field as well. For those of you, you know, if you're not familiar with return to field, it's kind of a TNR light where cats coming into shelters, if they have no ID, and they're in good health uh, and they're of an appropriate age, they'll get sterilized, vaccinated, ear-tipped, and put right back where they were found without necessarily going out and saying, oh, is there a colony here? Is there a caregiver here? They're relying on the fact that the cat looks really good in order to put the cat back. So they wanted to make state law kind of catch up with the 21st century, which is what we see in a lot of states. It's old language, and it's out of step with what we're doing now. So they had the idea to modify some of that stuff, put in some new definitions, change some things around. And from that, there was a lot of opposition from wildlife groups. Not surprisingly, the Delaware Audubon and a couple other local groups felt very uncomfortable with that language. And so Hetty decided, hey, let's turn this into a task force. And so she did. uh, And she had that prerogative being a state employee. The department suggested this approach. And so the bill turned into a task force that got the cat groups and the wildlife groups and the public health agency and municipal officials together to talk about these issues. And so now they've been meeting for the past year. And this uh, upcoming session, 2017, we're expecting the results of that. And um, at this point, I believe it's going to be another bill that's going to be introduced that has language to improve the cat laws, but language that's reflective of what this task force agreed upon. They're also doing other stuff. They're talking about public education campaigns, uh, keeping more cats in homes, various things that they can agree on and work together on. But it's a really nice model to take something that was originally very contentious and get everybody in the room to try to hash this stuff out because it's the only way we're really going to be able to move forward on it. So I'm really excited about what's going to happen next year in Delaware. So they have funds to go forward with a statewide initiative? 
They do right now. Yeah, they just got some funds. Uh, they're targeting a couple of towns and they're actually doing a really cool um, intervention where they're going to be monitoring and cat counting with us, the number of cats that are out in these towns and then also some controls. And then they'll be able to compare and contrast the differences in the targeted TNR communities versus the controls. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Accidental Exiles by Bruce Perry. Jesse McAllister, a young Texan and a rock war vet, escapes to Europe where he seeks a new direction and to heal his desert wounds. Wandering the streets of Ascona, Switzerland, he meets and falls in love with a beautiful Italian waitress named Sonia Altarelli. Since the horrors of combat he encountered with a boyhood friend, Jesse will have nothing more to do with war. This story is his farewell to arms. Check out Accidental Exiles on Amazon.com today. Are you starting to think about that special holiday gift? Why not give the gift of a Community Cats podcast branded t-shirt, coffee mug, bag, or other item? This is the perfect way to spread the word about helping Community Cats. The proceeds from the sales will go to support the Community Cats podcast and the Community Cats grants program, which helps small groups grow their fundraising programs to be able to fund more spay-neuter programs for free-roaming cats. Go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on our shop button in the menu bar today to get that perfect community cat gift right now. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. All right, moving on. Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, my goodness. Hawaii (laughs) is a cauldron of... Of challenges right now. A really wonderful state to be working on these issues because it's so front and center. Anybody who has been watching kind of the national media attention on the Cat Wars book and um, toxoplasmosis and other concerns around outdoor cats cannot help but hear the the name Hawaii uh, frequently. It's a hotbed of endangered species and species that are vulnerable to cats. There are a lot of ground nesting birds that are in areas where the cats are. And so this has become, you know, for the past several years, and it's really almost reached a fever pitch right now, I would say. Um, But this has been a major challenge between the cat groups and the wildlife groups for a long time. Nothing really has changed, unfortunately. In early 2016, in the legislative session, the Department of Land and Natural Resources, so their their wildlife agency, put forward a bill to ban all feeding and care of cats on state lands. And there's actually a significant portion of state lands in Hawaii. And so they felt the need to do something. They introduced this despite groups talking with them and saying, hey, that's really not the way to go. We can work together to find something better. They went ahead with it, caused a huge, huge uproar. Uh, The legislature, you know, at the hearing, there were hundreds of people that showed up to oppose the bill. Various groups around the country mobilized their advocates to speak up against it. The legislators were kind of blown away by the response to this and quickly killed the bill. But they did recognize that this is an issue. And so they advised, hey, people, get together and figure this out and bring something forward to us that we can actually collaborate on and move and move the ball forward. So that's kind of where Hawaii is right now. We are talking with some groups for 2017. There's some interest in doing a task force similar to what has come up in Delaware. 
previously, for the past several years, there was kind of an ad hoc collaborative group that would meet. Um, but unfortunately, it fell apart when things started getting sticky. You know, it's easy to all agree on, hey, let's, you know, tell people to keep their cats indoors, their owned cats. I mean, that's pretty easy. Um, most people jump right on board that and say that's great. But when you really come down to, okay, where can TNR happen on the islands and where shouldn't it be happening. That gets really sticky and really tough uh, very quickly. And so that's where those conversations started to break down, unfortunately. But if it would be a legislative task force with some required meetings and a required end product, people wouldn't be able to just kind of fall off um, the bandwagon. They'd have to you know, stick with it and come out with something. I mean, my hope is that they come out with something similar to what New Jersey has and they've had this in place for several years, uh, but it's actually a matrix where you look at your state and you figure out where are kind of the tier one areas where there are vulnerable species that cat predation is actually happening on. And you've got some data to back that up. It's not just speculation. But so these are really areas where the, you know, the wildlife is being impacted. And so those are areas where, you know, TNR might not be the best thing. You have to look at that area and say, OK, what will work here? Will it be removing them, putting them in a, you know, moving them to a barn home? Or would it be a fence? Would it be, you know, other hazing devices? You know, like what's going to work here? And then you have tier B lands, which are kind of that middle ground of maybe there's an impact, maybe there's not. Those are assessed to figure out whether TNR is appropriate there. And then you have the tier three land, which is the bulk of the property where TNR is perfectly fine. There's no vulnerable species. There's no real impact being shown. So TNR is the preferred management approach there. And so you sort of can map out those different areas and figure out where your high priority areas for focus. So there's still a lot of work to be done in Hawaii, but I know there are people who care, people who want to work on the issue and they want to try to find some collaborative approaches. We're going to be working out there trying to help, uh, as I know a number of other groups are as well. So that tiered process was really interesting to me because I would also recommend that if you have this listing, that then the sheltering organizations have that same listing with regards to their uh, surrenders or intakes. So then if you have a sensitive area where TNR is not really ideal, Mm -hmm. then that shelter is going to basically speed pass assistance to any cats in that area whether mm-hmm. it's an owned indoor-outdoor cat, so that there's mm-hmm. some education about the impacts of that cat being outdoors. I'm thinking of a beach community or something like that. So that that supporting shelter is very actively involved in more than just a TNR policy, but then if there are cats that are newly abandoned or that are indoor-outdoor and there needs to be education about why that might not be the best idea or whatever, that shelter's actually putting some resources into that section of the community at a higher level than it would at some of the other tiers. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's crucial. It's almost like you've got red, yellow, and green zones. And you know, like the red zones are highest priority. And so that's where resources really need to be put. And you're right. And, and the issue comes down to, you know, there has to be communication and there has to be trust amongst groups in order for this to work. Um, everybody has to be going into it with you know, good intentions and not trying to catch, you know, catch the group out on something bad or, you know, try to put them in a gotcha moment. So it takes a while to kind of overcome some mistrust and bad feelings sometimes. 
So uh, we're going to move along to another, we have time for maybe one or two more states. Okay. So I am going to spin the dial here and Virginia is coming up for me. So Virginia is kind of an interesting state. There was an attorney general opinion two years back. Uh, actually, there was one, there was one a few years before that, that said that TNR was not appropriate in the state. There was a state law on the books that essentially said cats couldn't be returned. A subsequent attorney general, uh, after an election, looked at the issue again at the request of a couple shelters, and they determined that, yes, you could do it, but municipal agencies could not return the cats. So kind of a little bit of a... um, Uh, Tweaking had to happen with some programs so that private groups were doing the return in some cases or, you know, maybe the municipality didn't want to be involved in TNR at all, but there was a local private group that did. So it was just kind of a retooling. But right now there is attention on that state law to see if we could possibly get that changed. And there's also some legislators that have been introducing some bills over the past probably three years in a row that unfortunately haven't gone anywhere, but there's a lot of attention to the issue. So those bills are trying to modify the abandonment statute, which in Virginia right now is pretty vague. And some people interpret it to mean that TNR shouldn't happen. They're calling it abandonment of cats, which we see in other states as well. Um, So there's one bill to try to modify that. And then there's another bill to try and get some funding for spay-neuter. They're modeling the bill after a program in Maryland, which is being hugely, hugely successful. And that funding comes from a surcharge on pet food registration in the state. Maine also has this program. Maryland brings in a lot more money because (laughs) people uh, buying pet food. So the manufacturers have to register their flavors any food that they sell, pet food, dog or cat, with the state. And the state then has a small surcharge that goes on that when that money actually goes into a spay-neuter fund. And right now, Maryland has, I think it last year, they brought in over a million dollars in that program. Hmm. Then they turn around and give out grants to county shelters, municipal agencies, private nonprofits to do spay-neuter work. And that includes TNR. So Virginia is trying to do something very similar, and that would be hugely beneficial because right now, you know, there are certainly major parts of the state that don't have enough spay-neuter resources to really start addressing the cat issue that, at the level that we need to address it. There's also a very active anti-TNR group in Virginia that really cuts down any bills that pop up. And they've, you know, had some major success so far. So, you know, it's always a bit of a battle whenever anything comes up in Virginia. But again, as in every state, we're trying to be on the ground, you know, talk with people, try to find common ground, try to build trust, try to mend some relationships that have been broken. Uh, And it's, you know, it's a long slog, but I can definitely see some glimmers of hope in the state. So we're going to do one last state real quick. Illinois. Illinois is a fun one, I think. Um, <laughs> our state director out there, Mark Ayers, he, he's wonderful. And he's been working with Best Friends. Uh, they had a bill. Uh, right now, it's a very weird spay-neuter program in that individuals doing TNR can get money from the state spay-neuter fund, but groups doing TNR cannot if they're in a county that says that TNR is not legal. 
So, so their right best friends was trying to do a bill to actually tweak that so that groups could get spay neuter funding if they were doing TNR, and then they were going to go along and actually try to change the ordinances in those counties where it was not legal. That bill died because of opposition from wildlife groups. Um, it was kind of a behind the doors, weird thing. Originally there was support and then it got pulled. So that bill kind of died a weird, bad death. Uh, and from that, they're now talking about a task force as well. Um, so the, right now the wildlife groups are very keyed into this topic but all of the animal welfare groups are as well. And there are some amazing TNR projects out there all around the Chicago region doing really amazing things like Treehouse Humane Society and PAWS. I mean, really going to town on targeted TNR. So there's advocates, very strong advocates. There's some strong opponents. There's a lot of wildlife groups who are kind of in the middle saying we're not quite sure what the way forward is. So I think if a task force can come out of that, it could really set Illinois up um, to do a lot of great things. What great information. I really like this game, Katie. I'm glad you agreed to play it today. <laughs> oh, I love this game. <laughs> so if folks were interested in finding out more from you or from their local representative in these specific states, how would they find them? So actually on our website, humanesociety.org, you can look up by state and find your state director. We don't have all 50 states covered quite yet, but most of them are. Another really easy way is to just email cats at humanesociety.org. Um, and that's cats, C-A-T-S, at humanesociety.org with questions about cats. And I can get you in touch with either us to talk about cat stuff or I can put you in touch with your state director as well. If you also want to just reach out directly to them, you can just type in your state name at humanesociety.org. So uh, Alaska at humanesociety.org, and that will get you right to the state director. Oh, that's handy little tip there. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I just want to mention how important policy is. A lot of folks kind of glaze over like, oh, that's, you know, lobby 101. I don't want to call my legislator. It's kind of scary. Or they think, well, what can I do? You know, I'm just one person. It's not going to make a difference. But I want to say that it absolutely does. And getting folks like your listeners involved and making calls and talking with people and actually taking an active role in legislation is the only way we're going to move the ball forward. And in many cases, we really need to make some changes to state level and to ordinance level in order to do the sort of life-saving work that we want to do. I agree. The more that I do this show, the more that I learn how important it is to be aware about policy and potential or created legislation. It just amazes me the spectrum of the rules and regulations that are out there. Uh, it just, you can go from one extreme to the other. You can create things with the best of intentions and it ends up kind of blowing up in your face. So it's really kind of scary out there actually in the policy and legislation world, but it's also scary when you're kind of out in the wild west and there aren't any rules or regulations out there too. There are no protections for cats. Right. There is no magic package. I'm always the one like, you know, just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. But it just mm -hmm. seems like there's no sort of perfect package out there. There's not. Every state and every locality is so different in how they manage things and what the resources are available that you have to base your policy and legislation on that there's no model. Like everyone wants the model ordinance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plug and play. And it doesn't work. You know, I wish it did. It would make my job a lot easier. 
but every community you've got to look at as an individual and see what threads you can pull out and what's going to work the best there. Katie, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show again. And I really hope that we'll have you on in the future. I think I like this game. I'd like to spin the wheel a few more times with you. That would be wonderful. There's a whole bunch of stuff coming up for 2017 that I'd love to share with folks. Sounds great. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 